Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast. I'm your guest host, Tracy Grammer. The show is funded entirely by generous listeners who each contribute a small amount every month to hear the inside scoop about all aspects of the music business. Patrons like Dan Hulse, Bernie Drury, Dino Catania, Dan Zuckergood, Dan Tappan, Maria Sangiolo, Bob Fishman, Kristen Andrews, David Bryce, Cloud Microphones, Club Passim, The Parlor Room, and Signature Sounds are just a few of the listeners who contribute because they believe in the podcast. We invite you to become part of the Pro Tips family as well. Just go to patreon.com slash jimhenry or... If you prefer to make a one-time donation, visit protipsformusicians.com. Thank you. Our guest today is our host, Jim Henry. Jim Henry is one of the most versatile, skillful, and sought-after musicians and producers on the contemporary folk and Americana circuit. Born in Chicago, he got his first guitar at the age of 13 and has made a lifelong pursuit of finding the perfect tone, crafting the perfect lick, and creating the perfect moment, all in service of the song. A masterful songwriter with five recordings to his name, Jim spent his early years as a nationally touring artist before offering himself as an accompanist in and around New England. In the 25 years since, he's produced dozens of albums for others, recorded on hundreds more, and has now performed all over the world, both solo and with such luminaries as Mary Chapin Carpenter, Paula Cole, Sean Colvin, Alison Krauss, Eliza Gilkison, Susan Werner, Brooks Williams, my humble self, <laughs> and more. I've had the pleasure of knowing Jim Henry for 16 years, and while it's true he gets a little shaky if he doesn't eat on time and is not a fan of long flights, I can tell you he has a heart of gold and chops for days. And now, because apparently being a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, sideman, headliner, producer, and engineer isn't enough, he's also a podcast host and author too. And he is my guest today. Let's get this party started, shall we? Say hello to Jim Henry. Hello. Hello, Jim Henry. Special surprise host, special surprise <laughs> guest. <laughs> How does it feel to be on the other side of the microphone? You know, it feels pretty good. And I got to say, I have to admit that we had a snafu. We went through this one time already. We did a whole podcast and then the <laughs> iPad updated in the middle of it and the whole thing got lost. Take two. <laughs> so we have to do it again. So thank you very much for, for uh, being willing to do this again. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. And I'm actually honored. I'm honored to be the first guest host. I was the first guest. Yeah. Now I'm the first guest host. Yeah. And now you are in the hot seat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, take it easy on Take it easy on me. What kind of tea are we having this morning? Uh, this this is, um, what do you call it? That stuff. Green tea? No, it's not green tea. It's a... Uh, chamomile? No, it's peppermint? not chamomile. Uh, turmeric. Oh, turmeric. Yeah. Anti-inflammatory. Yeah, well, that's, I'm trying to uninflame <laughs> lots of stuff right now. So, Your podcast is almost two years old. What is the anniversary date? Do you know offhand? Uh, I don't know exactly. I think it's March. March? March of 2018. Yeah, that's I amazing. I know. So um, what do you think? How do you like being a podcast host? This is uh, You've worn a lot of hats, and this is another one. And just as, yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of podcasts, and this is one of them. No, but seriously, this this really is something different. There was a big learning curve, it seemed like. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. The first few episodes were tough, and it as you know, anybody who's heard a lot of them or know that the the, the format has kind of morphed over time. 
um, like the first one, the very first one we did with you was very short. It was like 30 minutes or a little bit less. And I interspersed, you know, some recorded music in there to uh, to talk to emphasize what we were talking about at the moment and stuff like that. I kind of got away from that format. Yeah, and, and in fact, speaking of format, don't you start your podcast oh. with a song? Isn't <laughs> that what we do? You're the taskmaster today, so. Oh my goodness! Yeah, well, let's, let's stick to what's working, and it seems to work to you know kind of pick a little tune right up front. So, what do you got for us? Well, I'll sing uh, along. How about that? You can sing and play along. That would be great because that's right. your job as the host. You, you that's to, my job. Um, so we're gonna do. This is a Tom Paxton song that I oh, yeah. like, and I've been I've been sort of singing lately. So uh, last thing on my mind is the name of this one. Lovely. It's a lesson too late for the learning Made of sand, made of sand In the wake of an eye my soul is turning In your hand, in your hand Well are you going away with no words of farewell? Not a trace left behind Well, I could have loved you better I didn't mean to be unkind You know that was the last thing on my mind And you got reason plenty for going Well, this I know I know For the weeds Have been steadily Growing well, Please don't go Please don't go Well are you Going away With no words of farewell or Will there be Not a trace Left behind Well I could have loved you better I didn't mean to be unkind You know that was the last thing on my mind Thing on my mind. 
Jam, such a beautiful song. It is such a great song. It's unbelievable how good that is. Yeah, and kind of sad. It is sad. It's so sad. It's sad and beautiful. It's one of those kind of songs. One of those poignant tunes. Well, um, so I thought maybe what we do today. I'm no Terry Gross, as everyone will find (laughs) out. Although I, I really tried to be in the last one, and then you said it's a conversation, and so I thought, well. You know, we've known each other a long time, so uh, there's there's really just so much we could talk about. <laughs> well, you get to you get to steer it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. Do you want to focus on pro tips? I, I sort of felt like maybe people would like to know a little more about you personally, but if you want to focus on, you know, the pro tip book and right. and that sort of thing, then well, I don't know. We could, you know. If, uh, what do you want to do? What would you like to do? Well, I want to ask you ridiculous questions. So. All right, well, go ahead. Go ahead, do it. Why not? <laughs> well, it. Uh, let's just do some basic ones. Let's just do some basic background, things that people don't know about you. Um, you've had a long journey in music. Um, when did it start? When and how did it start? When... Uh when did it start? What do you mean, professionally? Well, no. Like, when did you when did you pick up an instrument? When, I picked and- up my first instrument was a, the guitar that I traded my brother for. He 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 said, Jim, if you actually Jimmy, that's Jimmy. what they called me back then. Still do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've come such a long way now. <laughs> my name's Jim now. Um, he said, if uh, I'll if you cut the lawn for me this time, because it was his turn to cut the lawn. If you cut the lawn, I'll give you my guitar. So, wow. Yeah. That's that's a pretty good deal. And was this a nice guitar? No, it was a terrible guitar. It was a <laughs> the Sears and Roebuck guitar. electric guitar, and one of the tuners was you know, busted and stuff like that. But it was a guitar. It was a guitar, and all you had to do was mow the lawn. Was it a big lawn? Yeah. No, it sucked. It was not really a fair trade. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I mean... I know, but it launched, it launched my career. It did launch your yeah. career. But I, I mean, I always wanted, I wanted an acoustic guitar. I didn't really want an electric guitar. Did anyone in the house have one? No, no, there was no, there was no instruments in the house. Now that's interesting because most people, I feel like most people get an acoustic guitar first and they really want to go electric, or maybe that's just me. But um, yeah, so you were the opposite. Yeah, I mean, the electric guitar I didn't have. I mean, I got an acoustic guitar in pretty short order. Yeah. After the electric guitar. Well, that actually it kind of makes sense because if you think about it, you were what? How old? Thirteen. I was thirteen. Yeah, we were 13. thirteen. So that's we're talking like mid seventies or so. And it was yeah. it was back very when, back uh, when things were still in black and white. <laughs> things were in black and white, and there was a lot of acoustic music happening. Like, and it was kind of oh mainstream. yeah, that's what was on the radio. It was you know Neil Young and, and you know Needle and the Damage Done. That was a top forty hit. Oh, I mean, I love Jesus. that song. Uh, Paul Simon and the Eagles and stuff. So it was all acoustic uh, music on the radio for the most part, anyway, and. So that's what I wanted to play. And you with your electric guitar. <laughs> well, I think it served you well to start there anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, so your brother obviously was playing guitar. Um, you have four brothers. Did they, were they all musical or? No. 
No. <laughs> Except that I also happen to know that you and the brothers had a band. So how did that work? Well, it wasn't uh, calling it a band. That's a strong term. This is this is way 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 later in life. This is after I'm already a professional musician. Oh, and, I didn't know when yeah, that happened. Yeah, no, this exactly. we didn't have a we didn't have a brother band. The the that that was a project that my mom commissioned me to do. Yeah, no, she wanted to. You know, get she, the boys together. She wanted Jimmy. boys to all cooperate and do something together. So they <laughs> make would, me a record. I had I had I had moved away and you know I was married and stuff. It was like this long time later. And uh, uh, yeah, I used to go down there and visit. They all lived in Virginia. So and uh, but and and they started all kind of jamming together. And you know, in in one of my brothers played the drums. You know, just real kick snare, kick snare, yeah, just but... real simple. And uh, one of them, uh, uh, they they wrote a couple of songs, and so anyway, I went down there uh, a few times and sort of whipped them into shape and took them into a recording studio, and uh, we recorded a record called Uncle Henry. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard the record. It's out of print. <laughs> But it's good. It's fine. You know, it's not too there's bad. Some good and there's songs actually, on there. Dial nine. Dial nine. There's a couple of actually really good songs on there. Yeah. And we, you know, we managed to we we managed to to get along okay uh, uh, enough to record the thing. And my dad was was tasked with make would, he had to be at all the rehearsals and all the everything just to make sure we didn't fight. And if anything got out of control, <laughs> that was the, that was my arrangement. It's like as soon as I don't like what's going on, I turn it over to dad. You did, and I had that had to happen a few times. You're I'm like, like dad, dad, tell them that that deal this with is. This. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know your dad was involved too. That's yeah, no, funny. he was. He was. He was there. Now, was your mother pleased with the? Oh, results? of course she was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Beaming with pride, probably. Yeah. yeah. And I bet the brothers too. I mean. Yeah. No, I think they're all. Uh, they they're pretty proud of it. I think. Yeah. You know? A lot of you know people. Anybody who plays music has fantasies about making a recording. I think. My dad sure did. You know, yeah. in some of the, yeah, in in the later years, he's like, <laughs> well, he started almost every sentence with, "Well, goddamn, Trace," and so he'd be like, "Well, goddamn, Trace, you know, you and I ought to make a country record." And I feel so bad, you know, oh, because that would have been awesome. Yeah, you know, my dad really wanted to do do that. He's no longer with us, and I, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, ah, oh, I blew it. You yeah. know, I should have just done it. But I was just, you know, life, life. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that you did that, and I'm yeah, glad no, your mom got to hear it. It's nice to have a record of that. Yeah. Because one of my brothers has passed on now, and yeah, so I'm glad. And your mom has too. Yeah, and my dad. It's and like, your dad. Yeah, getting yeah. older. So that, so that, the Uncle Henry thing wasn't as early in your career as I thought. So by this time, I'm guessing you were, what, you had bands? I know you were folk gym for a while, going out and doing the solo circuit, but there were, there were some experiences before that, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, I played, uh, I can, I'm trying to think now. You know, in my very early 20s, just out of college, I had a couple of jobs, like regular jobs. and But pretty, pretty early on, what do you mean regular job? You know, like I worked at a liquor store. Okay, like a retail job. And I worked at a, and, and I was in social services, like I was a shift worker at a, at a rehab house type place for, for uh, um, yeah, for men who had been released from the Northampton State Hospital. You know, I like was, would go in there three to 11 every day and help them, you know, help them with their daily chores and stuff like that. I imagine you have some stories from that. Yeah, I can't, yeah. 
Yes, I do. <laughs> you can't tell them. I can't tell them. Um, but shortly after that, early, you know, 23 or 4, I uh, started uh, to get a few guitar students because I was, I was okay. I was pretty good. Were you gigging? And yeah, so I started teaching a little bit and at the same time got hired to play bass in a, in a band, local band. Um, so I quit. The, and, you know, I was. You I, left the poor men behind to I fend for themselves. I left the poor themselves. men behind. And, you know, I was sharing a, you know, sharing a place, had a couple of roommates, so rent wasn't very much. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that sort of launched my career. So I've basically been doing music, you know, pr- professionally since then. So it's like 23 or 4 or something like that. Since right out of college. Pretty so much. do you remember your first gig? Well, the very first gig I had was in, was in before it was in, uh, was in high school. Yeah, talent show. Actually, I remember the first. I remember the first audition I ever had. <laughs> what was the audition for? It was so I was playing uh, with a, a a a friend of mine's a friend of my brother's. He played guitar. He was mm-hmm. sort of the one who started me down the path, and he was. I think he was probably eighteen or nineteen, and I was like you know thirteen or fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went to a bar to audition to play. At, you know, at a restaurant bar or whatever. And we were, and so we went there, you know, off hours. And so we're sitting there in front of the manager. He sat down and, you know, we're sitting on bar stools and he's just sitting there looking at us. And we start playing uh, Cowgirl in the Sand, uh-huh. Neil Young. And, you know, we get to a certain point and then my voice just totally cracks. <laughs> like, blah! It's like, you know, and he was nice about it, but he's like, yeah, I don't think you boys are ready yet. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because I guess at that age, is your, was your voice changing? Yeah. Is that yeah, what's yeah, going yeah, yeah. on? <laughs> and plus, I couldn't really sing. I didn't really sing till you know, when I was in college, really. I didn't start to sing. And even then, I wasn't that good. But anyway, why, why, why are we talking about this? Because <laughs> it's interesting. And also, I just think it, you know, people might wonder, like, how do you get to be someone like Jim Henry? You An know? old grizzled veteran. <laughs> An old grizzled veteran. Like, what does the path look like? You know, I mean, right. it, it's just it's just so different for each of us. So I know that you were in a band. You were well, probably more than one band in New England before you broke yeah. off to do your. You broke off to do your solo career, which was and and how how long were you doing that in earnest? Well, um, well, so through my twenties, I was in a couple of, uh, like I was in a like a folk trio right so that's where i sort of and we would play and we played it you know we would go play at the nameless coffee house and stuff out in cambridge and mm-hmm. we did a few gigs uh, and i was also playing in a guitar duo with joe belmont a great guitar player yeah. uh and I've, I've ever since college i was playing with a fiddler craig eastman uh oh, who has great. been on the podcast great and he and i have been playing forever so I was playing with all those different people, and then I got hired, as I mentioned, as a bass player in a Roger Saloon, who's sort of a local luminary. And then Craig and I eventually formed a band, like a rockabilly, swing, kind of dance-oriented band, mm-hmm. uh, which had some success here in the, in the region. What was it called? It was called The Sundogs. Oh, The Sundogs. People and, might uh, remember. And uh, we did that for a few years. And it was after that, when, once that band broke up, is where I went into, I wanted to be Folk Jim. Folk Jim. It was time to go out and... Time to go out and take uh, the few songs I had written and start really trying to do that. So I started it, So I started going to open mics all over New England, just like you do. Every, I went to them all, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, was writing a lot and recorded an album. Probably too soon. I should have waited to record it, but I really wanted to get going. So Into the Blue was my first record. You know, and so I did the open mics and then I started to get some openers, like just the progression started to do some headlining. Not Mm -hmm. a lot, but I was, you know, but I was, you know, making a, I had a presence and uh, started doing some tours around the country. Did you book those yourself or did you have help? Yeah, I did. And then I, I had an agent for a brief time which was helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got, you know, I got some managerial help from Charlie Hunter, consultation type advice. Uh-huh. And I was on Signature Sounds Records. Right, based um, right here in Waitley, Massachusetts. That's right. So, yeah, I had a career. So I, I was doing that in earnest for probably five or six years. And what made you stop? Uh, it was too hard. anything in particular about it or just every single thing well it was hard hard doing it by myself it was hard um it was hard to get people to come out you know he's working as you know it's hard to get it's hard to get people to come out to shows it's a lot of work so uh and sometimes they come out and sometimes they don't and when they didn't come out it was i found that demoralizing yeah like every time there wasn't a, a like a good audience i felt i took it personally and you know, my skin, it turns out, is too thin to be the to do that. Is it is it a thick skin, thin skin issue? I mean, I don't I don't know how we how we come to uh, maybe appreciate that just sometimes there's a lot of people and sometimes there's not. I guess you have to have some longevity to realize that it's all going to balance out, kind of. More I guess, or less. yeah, I think that's probably true. Okay. Um, but and also at the time, and maybe it's still true, there was a real glut of white male singer songwriters <laughs> i mean that's what it was whatever that's what all the guys were doing for a while yeah so it was hard to uh to raise myself up above the pack yeah and i just didn't have the stomach for it really and uh, i we mentioned this in the <laughs> the first time we recorded this the sort <laughs> of there was a, a pivotal moment when i was in kansas on a tour and i was supposed to go with maria sangiolo she and i were going to split a split a uh, split bill tour, and she had to cancel at the last minute um, for illness or something. I forget what it was exactly. Um, but I went anyway and, you know, talked to the promoters, and they were all fine with it. And uh, I was at a place in Kansas, standing there at the door because it was, you know, very informal little club, and the and the promoters there taking tickets, and a couple comes in. You know, there's a sign there. It's like, you know, Maria's not going to be here. Uh-huh. And uh, they're like, oh, man, we really came to see Maria. Oh, <laughs> shoot. And I'm standing there, and and the promoter was like, oh, but, you know, Jim's really great. He, he and Maria have been friends for a long time, and, you know, they play together, and, and uh-huh. he's really good. And they're like, well, oh, I no. don't know. And he's like, no, seriously, Jim's really good. Look, if you uh, you come see the show, you don't like it, I'll give you all your money back. And they're like, nah. And they left? <laughs> and they left. Oh, my God. And, they <laughs> and left. you're just standing there like, um... <laughs> Okay. So that was like I like uh, that that uh, that hurt, <laughs> you know. It really stung. Yeah. And, um, it was like I don't know. There's something about that that just was like I, I don't I don't need to put myself through this. Right. Did now? Did you have a family at this point? Were, were your kids um, here yet, or were I they? I think this was before I had kids. I had a yeah. I had a wife at this point, but I don't think we had kids quite yet. Yeah, and you're like, I came all this way. Yeah, I mean, all it's the like, way from Massachusetts, you know. Yeah, it's like that is well, whatever. So that was that. I don't know if that exact moment was the turning point, but it was certainly 
you know, stuck in my mind. You're like, okay, this, <laughs> this might not be working. <laughs> Don't right. they know so, how good and, I am? And so that's at that point I sort of started to transition into being more of a side guy. You know, as soon as I did that, I realized that it's just way more fun, right? Yeah. The, the music is really all that matters. Well, That's you all. don't have the pressure of booking the gigs, finding you know, the gigs, handling the travel. You basically are just like, where do I go? What time should I be there? And it, what are the songs? Right. And but and but just musically and and uh, you know, uh, musically satisfactory wise, it's just more fulfilling. Because I'm not worried about any of that other stuff. I'm only worried about playing the song really well. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a whole different headset that was, I don't know, safer, I guess. Or it was. Well, it, it certainly does. I mean, you can focus more on the music. Yeah. Because you're not sitting there trying to play your songs, noticing that you only have eight people, you know, in a room that holds 50. Right. Or somebody's yawning or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't care about any of that <laughs> stuff as a side guy. Right, uh, you just care about your bandmates. So they could be the worst gig ever for the front person, but I could have the greatest gig ever. Right, because you're just because I like along. played great, or you know, just felt really good, or it's like so. It was, so once I sort of got a taste of that, it was clear that I was way more comfortable doing that. Yeah, yeah, but you had to, you had to kind of feel your way. I mean, I think we're all doing that. We 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 all jump up on the stage and we think we have an idea of how it's going to go. And as you're as you're pointing out with these stories, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes the band breaks up, sometimes the audience, you know, it, it does it doesn't satisfy, you know. Right. And, and then sometimes you find the sweet spot, which for you is on the side of the stage, right. backing other people up, putting the sparkle on the star. Sparkle on the star. As you like right. to say. Right. <laughs> so I can do I can be the front person. I know how to do that. I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. But I don't I don't like it as much. And why don't you like it? What, what at this point people come? So I mean, I know because I've been there and I've split some shows with you, and we get plenty of people. Yeah, and- but I still have the same. Uh, I don't know. It's just I can do it, and sometimes I do just because I want to make sure to flex that muscle so it doesn't completely go away. But um, it's you, just I'm not drawn to it as much. Do you think you have some trauma? <laughs> Is it like trauma? Do you? Well, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's trauma. It's just. Uh, I don't know. It's just my brain's not. Uh, I, I'm maybe my ego's not big enough. Your ego's not big enough. Are you, know, you saying I, I have a big ego? There's a certain you have to be the front person all the time. I think you have to have a certain amount of ego. Hmm. Hmm. You have to. Doesn't work otherwise. That's and that's part of what people are drawn to. I think is that ego. That's interesting. I'm not saying you're an egomaniac, but I'm saying you have a stronger ego than I do around that stuff. I think, well, I think for the way I like to think about it, because I don't like to think about it as an ego exercise, but I do like to think about it as um, making an offering. You know what I mean? Changing, Changing the kind of changing the dynamic from I'm here to get something from the audience instead of I'm here, I put myself in the host position, like I'm here to give something, you know. Well, I have the same anxiety or stresses if I host a party. Like it's, I'm afraid, I, I, you know, I always wanted to go, well, I'm afraid no one's going to come. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't have parties. Yeah, you know, it's the same kind of host position sort of anxiety, I guess. Yeah. But. That's, well, so if. So, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it. 
the fact that I steered away from that led me to some even cooler stuff, I think. Well, and and there we were in a um, in a little studio making the Flower of Avalon album. And by this time, you and I were playing together. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Jennings, your guitar hero, mm-hmm. is producing my record. And you're playing all over it alongside John Jennings, which is awesome. And who do we end up in a session with? But Mary Chapin Carpenter and John Carroll and... <laughs> and Chapin's dogs. And Chapin's dogs. And so taking the sideman approach really paid off for you. Sure. Because from those sessions, then Chapin heard you play and, uh, and, and a nice opportunity opened up. Mm-hmm. And tell us what that was like. Uh, playing with Chapin? Well, well what know. about the first call? Do you remember like... You know, the email or the phone call that came that was like, Well, actually, the very first opening of the door was right after that album came out. Jennings called. His, he had a, his aunt Peaches was dying. I remember (laughs) Peaches, yeah. And uh, he's like, for whatever reason, I don't know if who, he probably called some other people who couldn't do it. It was sort of short notice, but he's like, hey, can you fill in for this gig for me? Just this one gig for Chapin. And I'm like... Uh, yes, I can do that. But then it turned out it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what a thrill it was just to be asked. And then, I don't know, a year or so later, uh, I got a call from or a message from, I don't know if it was Chapin or a manager, I forget. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, we got a tour coming up. We'd really like you to do it. I'm like, this is awesome. I'd love to do it. Wow. And then that got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> because she had a she had an aneurysm. Oh, the pulmonary embolism. Embolism, yeah. <laughs> yeah, blah, don't blah, say blah, aneurysm. Blah. Yeah, she had a, yeah, the lung Yeah, issue. so she was out of commission for a couple of years. Oh, she was. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. So I was like, okay, well, it's always nice to be asked. <laughs> Again. And, and then, uh, <laughs> actually, there was another one in between there. There was like a party or something that was supposed to happen. So she kept trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and things kept falling apart. And then, you know, and but then eventually uh, she, she got her health back and uh, she wanted to go back on the road. In 2010, I guess. And, yeah, so then I was part of the band for three years. Do you remember your first night on the bus? First night on the bus, yeah, it was. I didn't sleep very well because it's a bus. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, no, that was pretty fun. Drive along. Yeah, you're not, driving along. I mean, every, there's everything on the bus, right? So there's, you know, there's yeah, there's a little kitchen, fridge, a little fridge, there's a little bathroom, all the bunks. Everybody's got your bunks, and you got your light and your fan and your window, and I didn't have a window. In I my didn't bunk. have a window. No, and you have TV in there, and it's like loungy. But yeah, I was, you know, I think everybody's interested in going on a bus tour at some point to see what that's like, and it's pretty cool. You know, it's a, it's a nice. If you got to travel, it's a nice way to travel. You know, but it's it, it's a grind too. And there's some long, you know, twelve hour rides and stuff. You know, it's nice that you can get up and walk around, but it's still you're sitting in a submarine for. <laughs> yeah, and you're hours. always rolling. You roll all all night long. Right, and the engine is always going. You know, yeah. even when the it's parked, it's always going. Yeah. Um, so, but it's you know it was fun. And was how fun. how um, how much touring did you get to do with her? Well, it was three years, you know, all all the summers and the falls for three years. And just to clarify, you were playing what? You were playing mandolin? I was playing guitar, mandolin, dobro, acoustic guitar, singing. And you did singing. A, little, a little singing. Yeah. And, and all those instruments, 
I mean, let's just, you're self, self-taught on all those. Is that right? What's that? You're self-taught on all your instruments? Like yeah. you never had a lesson? I never or? had a lesson. That's amazing. Well, I'm, you know, I wish I had now. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, how much farther up did you want to go? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, if you have to ask that question, you don't know what you're talking about because it's like there's so much further to go. And it's hard. It's actually playing a lot of instruments. It's hard. It's hard to keep up on all of them. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. So how do you do it? Well, it kind of goes in rotation. You know, whenever the next dobro gig is, I'll spend a lot of time on the dobro, and then once that's over, I let it sit for a while. And and occasionally, I'll go go through spurts of I'll I'll make a point to spend fifteen or twenty minutes on each instrument mm-hmm. every day for a while. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's time consuming. <laughs> Do you find that knowledge on one instrument kind of translates to other instruments? Well, yeah, there's a lot of crossover. I mean, the way I tend to play is I'm always playing color. There's all, I'm always thinking about color and how to how to you know how to how to supplement what's going on. Do you think of notes as colors? Are you one of those? What is that synesthesia? Do I think of actual colors? Yeah. No. But I sort of approach all the instruments the same way. Like I, I might, you know, how what I play is kind of consistent between all the instruments. Like if I pick, if I was playing a, a song, I could pick up any of the instruments and I would do basically the same kind of thing. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to play it differently, but I would sort of play. You, you in the, tend. You have line tendencies, is what you're saying. Line tendencies. Well, like you have a tendency to play this kind of line in this spot. In the same spot, yeah. And it's, it's not it's not dictated by the instrument. The instrument's not singing it back to you. Well, it's some I mean, other... yes and no. I mean, it kind of is because you know the dobros because they all have different voices, right? Right. So you can play, or electric guitar has a lot more sustain than the acoustic guitar. So you can play one chord on the electric guitar and it'll last for a lot longer. Yeah. So it fills up a different kind of space, but you know, generally I approach it as you know, as as color instruments, I don't know how else to say it. Did you ever uh, did you ever get an instrument and then just decide you hated it and you got rid of it? <laughs> hated it? No, I didn't hate it. Or anything. it's just useless to you. You're like, no. After, if something sits on the wall long enough, I'll get rid of it. Just and <laughs> you know, use use the money. But the ones I have are the ones that I use at this point. Mm-hmm. Which one do you use the most? Well, I use the Telecaster the most right now, probably. That's this uh, woody. It's kind looking. of the most versatile, mm-hmm. really, because it can get really delicate and can get really raunchy. And then, of course, my Nickerson guitar, play that all the time. What's the one you use the least up here? The least? I'm, uh, I'm going to guess the electric you, um, mandolin. Yeah, I don't really use that one much. It's it doesn't cu- sound as good as I want it to. But occasionally, it's cute, though. <laughs> it's cute, and occasionally it's just exactly the right sound. Hey, everybody. Are you enjoying the podcast? Do us a favor. If you haven't contributed yet, please go to patreon.com slash jimhenry or for a one-time only donation, visit protipsformusicians.com and donate a couple bucks. Or if you're already a patron, consider getting a friend or two to check out the show. We definitely appreciate the help. Let's get back to our interview with Jim Henry. So, uh, So would you say that that was the highlight of your career so far, the tour with Mary Chapin Carpenter? That's probably the shiniest, you know, jewel in the crown, I guess. Um, and, you know, playing with Chapin led to playing with Eliza. Eliza Gil- Gilkison. Gilkison, yeah. who, I, of course, I love playing with her. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping. Actually, the, the height of my career is playing with my daughter, Ruby. 
Yeah. I just I just can't get enough of that. Mm-hmm. And, and she Ruby's, won't do it. <laughs> yeah. She's she. Would you say she's reluctant, or yeah, she's think, just ambivalent? I think she has the same. Uh, on some level, she has the same kind of uh, resistance to 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 performing that I do in terms of being a front man. Like I don't, oh, the I have there's sort of an aversion to that. And she's yeah. got that same kind of aversion to, uh. to performing. Like it, she, although she gets, I don't get so nervous beforehand. It's just on the stage. Sometimes she gets really nervous beforehand yeah. when she's on the stage. She's cool as a cucumber. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I'm hoping at some point, She'll really, she'll really want to go for it, but I'll be way too old to be in her band at that point. That's the problem. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, she'll let me drive, probably. Do you sing in the shower? <laughs> uh, no. You don't? No. No singing? Not even I'm a busy. <laughs> You're busy. I'm busy in the shower. Too busy to sing. If you hadn't become a musician. Electrician. Really? Probably. What about a landscaper? <laughs> You're good at mowing lawns. Mowing lawns. <laughs> yeah, like a maintenance man. I like that kind of stuff. You like being a fixer. Yeah. Get in there and fix it. Yeah. So you'd be like on call. Well, I don't. I hadn't got that specific about it, but. <laughs> but I mean, not like a guy who comes in and wires new construction or something like that. You'd be more like a, you know, fix it guy. I'm just yeah, just a general fix it guy. Problem solver. Yeah, I like this. Well, that's what I like about electrical work is that it's you really have to think about it or you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> you don't want to mess that up. What's the um and this can be in music or or in in any area of your life. But music would be interesting. What's the most trouble you've ever gotten into? The most trouble I've ever gotten into? Yeah. Any any problems, anything you're like, oh, I wish I could go back and fix that little thing that happened. Well, I certainly have forgotten to press record once or twice. <laughs> On a podcast, perhaps. Uh, well, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. No, that's not uh, what happened. But it has, you know. As a producer. As a producer or as an engineer, engineer. every once in a while. You get moving too fast and it's like you think you press record and it doesn't happen mm-hmm. but i mean I don't, nothing's pop nothing's coming to mind particularly you didn't like crash any cars or show up and you know trash a hotel room or do anything no young antics you uh, know from your early band days uh, yeah i'm really bad at thinking of stuff on the spot spill a beer you hang out hand. enough with me i'll tell you i'll i'll say did i ever tell you about the time <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm scrolling through trying to think of I can't think of any either. So you played with Mary Chapin. You play with a lot of people. Like uh, you mentioned Eliza. Of course, we play together still. Play. You've played with Meg Hutchinson, uh, the Burn Sisters, Marcarelli, um, Boxcar Lilies, the Weepies, Deb Talon, um, all kinds of people. Yeah. And you've recorded on like hundreds, hundreds, like yeah. uncountable number of albums, right? Lots of them, yeah. Who would you most like to work with at this point? Ruby. Ruby. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What star, <laughs> what already established star, Ruby is a star on the rise, but yeah. what already established star 
or hero of yours? Well, see, that's like a tough to question with? simply because I don't want to travel. And I know exactly playing with somebody. So you're not even, you're just saying. I'm just saying, like, like ideal circumstances. With? They blow right. into town, they need somebody on guitar, one night only. Who is it? Well, how much does it pay? Oh, it pays well. <laughs> it pays it it pays a lot, but that's not why you do it. Yeah, you right, do right. it no, because this kidding. is the gig. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, who's out there right now? Uh, well, you know, it'd be fun to play with Los Lobos. I'd love to sit oh, in with man. those guys. Wow. Yeah. That would be fun. Is uh, that your number one? What's that? Is that your number one? Well, right now it is. Los Lobos. Uh, yeah, that would be a fun gig to sit in on. But just in terms of, you know, people, uh, you know, Roseanne Cash, I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Anybody that, that, Duke Levine and Kevin Barry play with, that's probably who I want to be playing with <laughs> <laughs> for the most part. Yeah, those guys are great, aren't they? Um, yeah, they are great. Uh, well, of course, Richard Thompson would be fun to play with. Mm-hmm. Doc Watson, but he's dead. Darn it. I know. Maybe later. Maybe later. Yeah, right. <laughs> Heaven's band. What made you think about starting a podcast? Where'd you get the inspiration for this whole thing? Well, it came from... Uh, series of Facebook posts, mm. right? So, yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, musicians like to talk about how to make things better all the time, or they, you know, they bitch about what's, what they don't like about whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah, the business or venues or other musicians or whatever, little pet peeves. And so I, po- I posted a pet peeve of mine on Facebook. Do you remember what it was? It had something to do with about how you, how you ask how you pay a musician? Like, how do you? How like, you have the money conversation? Was it? Yeah, that? how to ha- basically? Yeah, how to have the money conversation, especially if you don't have a lot. Right. Right. Oh, when you're like, I know what you mean. I I kind of remember this when you're hiring a musician to do something for you, like play on your record. Right. Don't don't say hey hey how, how much do you want for this? And then when they tell you, don't say oh boy that's too much. Uh huh. You know, approach it a different way. But anyway, I posted that and got a. a Huge response. I mean, so what's the answer? Let's just cut to the chase here. What's your advice? You got a book right there. I got the book. Once you ask a musician what their rate is for services, don't ask if they'll do it for less to fit your budget. True. So, yeah. So this is what you advise. It says, "Try this. I'd really like you to play on me on my CD, and I can pay this much." And that way, it throws it in the musician's lap, right? They can decide if they can do it for that or not. Right. But you don't go through that awkward thing of, well, my rate is normally blah, blah, blah. And then the person goes, ooh, right. ah, shoot, I can't Right, do you got to have some tact. So, so anyway, that's, that started it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people really liked it. And, and lots of musicians chimed in, probably 100 or 150 musicians all had a story or, you know. So it was like I touched a nerve there. And so I posted another one the next day and got the same kind of response. And so I just decided I was going to keep going and do one a day for 50 days. I don't know where that number came from, but it just seemed like a good round number. So that's what I did. And then along the way, people were like, you know, you should, you should really write a book. You should co- you know, compile these <laughs> into a book. And, or, you know, this would make a great podcast. Talk, right, let's talk about it. So I was like, so I did both those things. Yeah, and had you ever um, written a book before? No. And and had and you'd never done a podcast no, before. Never. Had you been on a podcast before? No. So big I'd learning heard a curve. Podcast. You'd heard many, yeah. I'm sure, but this was a big learning curve. Like, 
Yeah, no, it was very, it took, it, you know, it took a while. I mean, the first couple took weeks to sort of put together. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to do it just technically. It's, I mean, it seems pretty simple. In some ways it is, but, you know, just making it sound good and, and smooth was, was uh, there was a steep learning curve. But once I kind of get the hang of it, it's still, it's still time consuming, but it's kind of, it's not, it's not so daunting. Mm. How much time does it take to, to process one of these podcasts? Well, well, this one's going to take twice as long. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be twice as good as all the others. Right. Uh, it takes, you know, uh, probably 30 or 40 hours, depending on if I have to travel and because I go, I go to people. Sometimes, That's if it's, right. when that makes sense. Yeah, and this is why we have the Patreon. <clears throat> why the Patreon is critical because that's a big chunk out of your week, forty it hours. Is. That's that's it a is. job. Well, and that's why I only do one a month. Yeah, it's just because I can't afford the time to do more than that. Wow, that's a commitment. Um, what's been the biggest challenge in hosting the podcast? Is it? You know, finding finding the the talent to interview, or figuring out which questions, doing that research, or well, editing, or yeah, editing is probably the biggest challenge. Some require more than others. I try and not you know cut much out, but mm-hmm. you know sometimes it makes sense to sex. We don't need certain parts, or sometimes people stumble over words and stuff. I like to get rid of that as much as possible, mm-hmm. just because it makes it nicer to listen to. And honestly, writing up the bios to make them sound kind of fun and exciting, that takes a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to kind of comb and find some fun facts. Right. And you don't want to just say, use the same superlatives every week and, you know, you want it to be a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, you know, is there any <laughs> advice you wish you had gotten earlier on on how to do this that maybe you could pass on to someone else now who's thinking about doing a podcast? Well, I, I mean, try and find people who you want to talk to. That's the, the best thing. I mean, I don't, I, and this could change. It probably will have to. I'll run out of people who I know, <laughs> but I'll have to start talking to people who I don't really know yeah. or I don't have any connection with at all. So yeah, if you can, you know, if you can find someone who you just want to chat with, that makes it nice for people to listen to, you know, a little chatty conversation between people who like each other is fun to listen to. Looking back over this career that you've had, which has spanned what, like 30 years? 87 years. 146 years. 34 years, I guess. Is that right? How, let's see. Let's say I started when I was 24. Yeah. I'm now 58. That's 34 years. That's 67 years. What is it? 34 years. 34 years, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. 34 years. Is there any advice you wish you had gotten at the beginning of this journey? For me personally, it would have been spend more time writing, actually. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not sort of my main thrust. I can do it, but Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, that's not, I don't identify as that particularly. As a songwriter? Yeah. I mean, I am, but I don't, that's not, that's not my thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like songwriters. You know, I wish I had more songs now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the at this juncture, it's all kind of coming together, isn't it? You're not only are you playing in some bands locally, but you're also doing the occasional folk gym show. You're also an accompanist and you're producing and engineering some records. Mm-hmm. So you're wearing all the hats now after going after. And maybe you always were. But it seems like they're pretty evenly divided 
at this point? Like you have a nice, a nice mix. Yeah. And I actually sort of starting to work on my taxes uh, from last year and noticing how it's all breaking down. You know, it is kind of evenly split between, um, uh, you know, producing, uh, uh, recording for other, for other, just recording tracks for people, gigging, um, uh, well, it's like four or five different revenue streams mm-hmm. for the podcast, the podcast the, is um, one, yeah. you know, the Patreon thing. Um, yeah. And it's all, you know, they're relatively equal, which is kind of interesting. How does that feel? I mean, it must well, not too good because I only made $3,000 last year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You made more than $3,000 yeah. though. No, how does it feel? Does it feel like you've, is this where you thought you'd be when, you know, does this feel like you've arrived? Oh. This, this um, sort of mosaic well, yes and no. combination? Some, sometimes if it, I mean, when I really step back and realize that I've made a living for as many years as I have as a musician, it's, you know, it's amazing. It's startling. Did you ever have another job while doing this? While being a musician? No. So Once all I, this time you just made it work? Yeah. Yeah. I was married for uh, 15 years in there. That helped. But at the same time, you know, I'm sort of, I, I'm, I'm pretty resigned. I don't want to be traveling much at all. So that's a part of my life that's, uh, that's going to change. Yeah. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do to fill that financial void, but I just can't do it anymore. I don't like it. It hurts. Well, it sounds like the other things are sort of rising up to meet, to fill. I hope so. You know. I hope so. Is there anything in music that you really wanted to do or try that you haven't gotten to try yet? Well, you know, early early on, before I started to really play the guitar, I had an aspiration to play guitar and piano at the same time. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I was really, I was, you know, sort of trying to do that at for a little while. <laughs> you wanted to be that guy? Well, how, how were you doing it? Were I you like know. hammering on yeah, with your left like, hand? I could never figure it out, but I meant simultaneously. That's what I was, that's wow. what I had my little brain cooking on that, but it, it didn't really work. You know, actually I wish, and it's not too late, but I wish that I had learned how to read music early on. I don't, I don't really You can totally really learn that now. I know. I, I, <clears throat> I go in spurts where I try and do it. It's, you know, it's just that, you know, my ear and my fingers just go so much faster so it's hard to sit still and try and read it yeah i can do it but it's it's just it's really slow like yeah. i still have to go there we go but gee <laughs> oh well yeah you know the more i do it the, but then i don't stick with it you know you have to do it all the time you have to do a it every day bit. yeah do a little bit every day yeah it doesn't take much though to bring up a new skill you know like 10 minutes a day yeah, well, I you do that, do and then stuff happens, and I have to I fall out of it. You know, like every like everybody. Like we do. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I it's not it's not I don't need it to to function, but I wish I and had. And that's it. Pre- that's a, you know kind of a thing that people might be interested to know that you don't read music. That's true. You know how to read a chart. You know how to make a chart. Mm-hmm. But you don't read music, and you never have. Not really. Nope. Is there anything um is there anything at this 
you know, because you're 34 years into your career. Anything you can't do 34 <laughs> years in that you could do when you were a younger man? Well, the one thing I can't do is retire, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> do you notice, maybe this is a terrible question, but, you know, is, is anything getting difficult or is anything changed, like your approach? Is you aging? Aging is definitely a part of this yeah, process. Yeah, no, I, gotta, I really have to, I can't take a week off and come back very quickly, like I used to. I used to be able to take a week off and be like, oh, yeah, okay, great. I'm all refreshed and everything's perfect. Now it's like if I take a week off of playing, then I really have to I have to kind of get my chops back. So you have to – so to stay nimble, you need to keep yeah. your fingers in the game. You yeah. need to keep have playing. have to. Huh. Have to. So Any? like, I mean, I you know, just recently I you know had about a week off. And, yeah, I'm coming back because I got to – I got a flat picking gig coming up, and it's like I got to get my chops back. <laughs> oh yeah. Now what about what about vocally? How how are, how is it vocally? Same. Same or? kind of thing, but I don't you know I don't sing as much as you do, obviously. Yeah. So, but if I have a if I have gigs where I'm ha- really having to sing, I'll you know a couple weeks out, I'll really start to try to do something every day just to be ready for it. Do you remember any perfect moments? I, I would like you to just describe a perfect moment on the stage. I do, as a matter of fact, because there's only been about four or five of them. I'll tell you about two. One is the uh, I used to do, and you did too, we used to do a thing called the Rising Star Cafe. Yeah. Which was a showcase for local teens that we did here in Shootsbury. We had a house band for them. Like, we would back them up for anybody who wanted a house band. And there was these two girls from the high school, the Elusive. That's right. <laughs> what was their name? <laughs> uh, Katie Spurgeon and uh, Allie Kelly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yes. And so they, we got them to come up, and we, uh, myself, and I think it was Guy DeVito who was playing bass, and my buddy Clark Sylvester yep. who was playing his electronic drum kit. Mm-hmm. And we were playing a song, I forget, one of their songs, there was just this one moment where just everything clicked. I'd like every, they were totally on. They were playing their guitars, and we were playing along, and they were singing their harmonies. And I don't know. It was just like this whoosh, like this uh, this sort of magical moment where everything congealed. And they the, you, the two girls looked at each other, and they were just about to explode because they were so happy, wow. just feeling. And so that was a it was a real moment for me. Simple, simple little moment, but. And then the other the other one was Marcarelli had an album release party at the Iron Horse one time. And the band was unbelievable. You know, Kevin Barry, Lauren Entress, Sonny Barbado, uh, Richard Gates was on bass. It was just this fantastic band. And there was just one, the same kind of moment. Just all of a sudden, there's just this moment where everything is, is perfect and there's no time. And it's just like this magic time. It's just like you disappear into yeah, the Yeah, you disappear. And it's like the uh, Elton John movie. Yeah. Right? There's this one scene where Rocket Man. Yeah. There's one scene where he's in the troubadour and the audience. So he starts getting lifted off the ground and the audience starts getting lifted <laughs> off the ground. It's that kind of thing. It's just like everybody's in it and it's a perfect little moment. So, yes, and it I've doesn't had a happen of those. very often. It does not happen very often. And it's what we're chasing, every single one right. of us. I, w- I think, I think that's what we're chasing, right? Yeah. I well, mean, that's, that's one of the major benefits of it. Yeah. It's so, in, I mean, it's unity, isn't it? It's just, a, it's an experience of just blending into the whole. And there's like, your ego is gone, 
you know, because you're just part of this big wave that's happening and this, yeah, it's and so, it only it only happens when everybody's at the same place at the same time. That's and, right, and that's why it doesn't happen very much. Yeah, well, I answered is, the shit out of that question. You did that well, <laughs> it, and it's magical, and it's and I just think it's interesting because. This is not what people think is the, maybe, is the pinnacle of our career. You know, maybe I could have said, what's the highlight of your career? And you'd be like, that time I got paid $10,000, you know? (laughs) And it's like, no, that's never it, you know? It's it's this humble little showcase in a, you know... Dive bar. In a dive bar in a hill town, like, (laughs) you know, with playing behind two high school girls. Mm -hmm. Any train wrecks that you remember? No, I block those out as they occur. They're so frequent. <laughs> How do you handle mistakes on stage? You just keep going. Laugh. I mean, what else are you going to do? Well, yeah, some people blush. Some people sweat. Some people stop. Yeah. I actually, I had one. You know, I don't want this to go on forever, but I, had, I do remember one, <laughs> one train wreck with Chapin. Oh, yeah? <laughs> she was so pissed. <laughs> Can we talk about it? Or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was it was funny. So like during a sound check, we were sound checking on something. I forget what it was. I think it was Passionate Kisses or something. Uh-huh. And John Jennings was goofing around, and he detuned his guitar, one of his strings, so it was really out of tune, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> playing the lick, you know. And it was funny. It was really funny, and she was laughing and stuff. And so we're playing the song that night, and... The song before, I I went off stage for some reason. That was part of the routine. Mm-hmm. And, and I had time to go to the bathroom. So I put my guitar down, went to the bathroom, came back, came back on, playing Passionate Kisses. And it's out of, you know, the, there's Jennings is doing that thing again. Or that's what everybody thought. But I had set my guitar down and tuned my, accidentally detuned one of my strings Oh, because the peg hit something that it... And it oh. was me who was playing out of tune. And no, but everybody's looking at Jennings. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I and don't I know. Realized, I mean, I was too. It's like I didn't realize. And then Chapin uh, yeah, was so pissed. <laughs> it was funny. I copped to it, you know, afterwards, once I figured out what was going on. On the bus, you're like, yeah, I was like tail hey, between that, your legs. she was like, she was like, Jennings, what are you livid. doing? And I'm like, well, it was me. <laughs> you're like, no, no, no. That was funny. Oh my gosh. Well, um, so so here we are. It's almost two years into the podcast. How many subscribers are we up to? I think there's sixty five or sixty six at this point. What's your goal? And they're not subscribers. They're patrons. They're patrons. Patrons of the arts. Because the it's- podcast is free, right? It's on iTunes and SoundCloud and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It's available, but the the patrons get the extra A rewards. Little extra. Right. And they get access to the podcast first. Right. Which is so very important to most people. <laughs> well, but the extra stuff is fun. Yeah, the extra stuff is done. We got the pro tips and little videos, and sometimes I'll put up little video songs that I've, I've done. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Are you pleased with the progress, with the exposure, and with the project? Well, I wish it, you know, I wish there was more patrons. I really, uh, I honestly, I thought there would be more after a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, I think 100, there's enough for me to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, for for a while. Although I'm thinking, I keep thinking about. I really enjoy making these videos, which I've made a few of them. Like you do, you know. Basically, they're live. Uh, like this, uh, I record and uh, sound and and uh, video at the same time. Yeah. Um, 
and I enjoy doing those and putting those together. It's a lot of work, but so I'm thinking maybe 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 I'll alternate one month a video, one month a podcast, maybe. Oh, you mean like that that video where you're playing all the instruments? Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, because that takes that takes an unbelievable amount of time to do that. I can't believe you learned how to do that. That's what I do. Figure I stuff out. I mean, kind of, you know, if, if anyone's paying attention to the contour of your career, I mean, what we're learning is that to fi- you got to find a balance. And in order to be successful, it's probably best to learn how to do a little of everything, you know, and just yeah. because it seems to have served you well in particular. I mean, there are people who just they just do the one thing, you know, right. don't ask them to balance their books because they just play the piano. That's it. Right. You know, and nothing wrong with that if you can make it work. But um, well, it helps to if you have a, a sense of all the aspects of your career. Just because you're, if it's your career, you're in charge. Even if you have people working for you, yeah. So, but I mean, in your case, you've just you just keep pick, picking up talent. You know what I mean? Picking up talents, like learning new skills, and and, uh, and yeah. just just getting and doing a really good job with everything. I've seen those videos; they're really nice. Well, they're okay, but. Uh, you know, because li- you're always limited by, or I'm limited by equipment. <laughs> you know, stuff's expensive. Yeah. I can't really go all in on everything because I don't have the kind of money to do that. I, I've been thinking a lot about social media lately and the role of it <clears throat> in our careers. Do you think Facebook is helping your podcast? Do you think it helps? You know, to- in a limited way, it's it was it kind of got the pro tips brand, I guess. Uh, off the ground because when I was first doing the pro tips on Facebook, it was before they changed the algorithm, so more people seem to, you know, see the posts. Oh, uh huh. Um, but then they kind of changed stuff. So now, as you know, if you, it's it's harder to promote gigs or as soon as you have a website or something in the in the post, they it, Facebook limits. Who sees it? So because they want you to pay if it looks right. like you're advertising something. Right. So yeah. oftentimes I don't. I just I don't say anything. I, I don't direct people directly to the podcast because I I just say hey we got a new podcast out as opposed to hey go to this website because more people see it the other way. Right. Anyway, what was the question? Oh, just curious if uh, you know, I'm curious about the role of social media in our careers, and so oh. I was starting with. Your podcast, and oh. if it was helping you, yeah, there. I, I think it helps. Helps a little. Mm-hmm. Helps a little. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if it if it if it really helps. It feels like everybody's there, but as we saw the other day at our show, when we asked for a show of hands about you know who's on Facebook, who's not on Facebook, who heard about this on Facebook, it was surprising right. to see well, that. That was an older crowd, though. It was an older crowd, but. A good chunk of them were not on Facebook and never get their information from Facebook. So, right. I don't know. I'm just I'm just really curious about. Well, that's a whole other uh, career I could have is 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 um, figuring out different ways to promote the book and the podcast. You know, mm-hmm. be a publicist, right. um, which I haven't really done in earnest. Uh, right. So you've got this book. The book that you wrote based on that was started by the Facebook posts, yeah. and it's called 50 Pro Tips for Musicians, Practical Advice for an Impractical Business. Everybody already knows that who's listening to this right now. Everyone already knows that. And but, has their copy. But the question is, Jim. What? 
are there going to be 50 more pro tips <laughs> for musicians? Is there more practical advice for this highly impractical business that there we're in? There is. I mean, I sort of have a, a, a scrap of paper somewhere where I write down the new ideas. But, you know, I don't, I, I, unless, unless this one gets a little, a little more legs underneath it, I probably won't do another one anytime soon. Too much work? It's a lot of work. And yeah. Yeah. It sure looks great, though. Yeah, it's a nice package. Nice Peter, book. Peter Lendorf did a great job designing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, what do you think? Did we cover? Did we, is there anything else I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about? You want to talk about your, what's your favorite thing to eat right before a show? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Come on. Come on. Right before a show? Just anything. I like to eat. Uh, make sure I eat before a show. Got to eat. That's right. I need the energy for the show. Now, what about a beer before the show? No, I don't drink beer before the show. Almost ever, unless it's unless you know it's at a a bar gig where we're playing dance music. I'll have some beer, but yeah, mostly our gigs. <laughs> no, we don't. I don't drink at our gigs. Plus, we got to drive after, so I yeah, we just uh, have to drive a little. I'm responsible in that manner. Yeah. So, um, so in a year from now. What do you hope to have accomplished? 100 patrons. 100 patrons. What else? I would like to have written a couple more songs. Oh. A year from now, that would Two be Two more good. songs. I would like to spend as much time as I can with my new grandson. <gasps> He's coming, coming in April. Coming in April of 2020. <laughs> it's like a movie release. Coming <laughs> soon. 2020. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just, you know, travel less. See more baby. Travel less, see more baby. Well, that sounds like a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> see more baby, write more songs. Yeah. I'm sure you are going to write. I bet you're going to write songs for that baby. Probably. I'll try and figure something out. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be fun for you. I'm excited. Um, well, this has been a pleasure. Thank well, you so much for the opportunity. Is there anything else you want to ask me? Well, you know, I know you... You have been refining the structure of your podcast, and one of the one of the really th fun things that I like to um, listen to is the I don't know what you call it. I call it the either or game. The either or game. Yeah, you knew what I was talking about. I I think when I when I was thinking of this, I wasn't sure if we'd have time to do it, but I'm glad we do. I called it this or that. This or that. Yeah. Well, you know, either. This or that, or either or. <laughs> we could call it. We could call it either or or this or that. Like, you know. All right. So I'm ready. Here we go. Okay. Solo or band? Band. <laughs> Hiking boots or flip flops? Hiking boots. Oranges or apples. Mm. Rest of my life. I Rest mean, I eat more life. apples than I do oranges, but whenever I eat oranges, I really like them. Yeah. And plus, they're good in bourbon. So I'm going to go with oranges. Okay. <laughs> Telecaster? Telecaster. Or Strat? <laughs> Telecaster. <laughs> Uphill or downhill? It just it depends on whether my knee is acting up or not. <laughs> Okay. If it's if my knee is acting up, then downhill's actually harder. So it is by it's bothering me a little today, so we'll go with uphill today. <laughs> You're going with uphill. Yeah. All right. Uh, Buddha or Jesus? 
as a swear word or just as... <laughs> as a buddy. As a buddy. Well, Buddha buddy, right? <laughs> Although, yeah, no, uh, uh, I guess Buddha probably. He's okay. a little more laid back. <laughs> um, steamed or fried? Well, I like steamed, but I mean, I like fried better than steamed, but I usually get steamed now. Healthy. Healthy. Yeah. All right. One or two? Two. Two. Always two. Late night or early morning? Late night. Fall <laughs> or spring? Is it early fall? <laughs> I mean, I like a little warmth. All right, I'm going to go with fall. Fall. Well, yeah. if we're in New England, I kind of think fall. Yeah. Because spring yeah, is just like... Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, bar soap or body wash? Bar soap. <laughs> without a qu- without <laughs> question. Um, shovel or snowblower? Snowblower. Had to use it today. Wow. Uh, bowling or miniature golf? Yeah, this... You know, I think today I'm going with bowling. Really? Yeah. I'm going with bowling. As much I like I like to be outside for mini golf, but mini golf is really pretty boring. You think? When you get right down to it. I th- you know, like after if I play 18 holes of miniature golf, that's like I'm good for the year. <laughs> and you can drink while you're bowling. You could drink while you're bowling too. I don't like to do that though. <laughs> I'm going to keep my wits about me. <laughs> for those high stakes yeah. games. Um, cake or pie? Well, yeah, we, yeah. I guess it just depends on which kind of cake. You got to pick. Well, all right. If we had, if my choices are the the flourless chocolate tort cake. That's a cake. Or, or pecan pie. Like, Mm -hmm. so those are sort of my two favorites. Mm -hmm. I'd go with the cake. You'd go with the cake. I would go with the cake. All right. I would, if those are the choices. Backgammon <laughs> or chess? Oh, wow. Well, I guess I would go chess. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Delay or distortion? Delay. Florida or Alaska? Florida. Stay or go? I'm going to go with stay. Yeah. I figured you'd say that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. I think I know the answer to this one, too. Money or fame? Money. Money. <laughs> Money. <laughs> and last but not least, Beatles or Stones? Beatles. 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 Yeah, for sure, Beatles. Some people choose Stones. Oh, you know what? what's not on that list that has been on every other list? What's that? You forgot to ask what me. What did I forget? Bourbon. Or scotch. I know. I saw, and I was, I actively didn't do that because I'm like, he asks that every time. Well, All right, bourbon or scotch? Bourbon. Oh. <laughs> bourbon, the overwhelmingly favorite drink, uh, alcohol of pro tips guests. Well, this has been lovely. Yeah. Should we? Um, well, thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> well, thank you for having the show. And uh, no, thank you for being the guest host. This is awesome. Uh, we, we should do this again. Or maybe you could be a guest host and interview somebody else completely. I would love to. I love, I love doing this. This is fun. 
Um, we'll see if it turns out. We'll see if people like it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this has been a most enjoyable way to pass the time. And um, should, we, should we, we go out with a song? Yeah, let's do a song I wrote. Drive-In Movie Picture Show. Full of blankets And dad's whistle in a tune And he won't tell us where we go He smiles and says we'll be there soon There's eight of us if you count Jeffrey Barely two, so mom holds him. We're going crazy in the way back. Fueled by the Kansas summer wind. Thanks for listening to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast. To find out more about Jim Henry, visit him online at jimhenry.net. To order your copy of the Pro Tips book, 50 Pro Tips for Musicians, Practical Advice for an Impractical Business, go to protipsformusicians.com. The book contains many of the tips that we've discussed here on the podcast, personal insights about each one, and features original illustrations by Ruby Henry. To make a one-time-only donation to the podcast, visit protipsformusicians.com. Or to become a sustaining podcast patron, go to patreon.com slash jimhenry. Thanks for listening. And all the popcorn we can eat We'll place our bets who stays up late